This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman, the debate is already on. When do sports come back? I haven't yet heard the crazy sports person say, just get out there. And I know it's going to happen, Drew. Well, it's coming. I mean, Mike Gundy got reprimanded. He pretty much said that, right? I want my kids back on campus by May 1st. The things in sports we'll never take for granted again. I'll never take opening day for granted again. I always love opening day. I can't wait to be in that booth again. And even if it's unfortunately without fans initially, to be able to call David Dahl swinging the bat against Walker Bueller. And Rockies outfielder David Dahl. How does he feel about starting up baseball again? I don't have a spleen, so my immune system's pretty shot. So I have to be really careful with, you know, what I'm doing right now. And and so that's the biggest thing is making sure we're all safe if we're if we're playing. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Broman. How's everybody doing? Welcome to Drew and Julie Podcast number 40. I say Drew and Julie because that's who we are without our last names. So formally, it's the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Browman. Uh, but whenever I slate it and whenever you slate it on our little gizmos here, which I know nothing about and you know a lot more than me, we slated it as Drew Julie, you know, number 39. And this was number 40. So we were kind of proud of that today, weren't we? You, you said this is the longest relationship you've ever had, right? I, well, no, second longest relationship. <laughs> oh, I do know one longer. I do know one of your relationships that lasted a lot longer than 40 weeks. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, maybe it's the third, but literally when I was tagging it, I was like, oh my God, that's a long time. It's good though, right? I mean, and in our 40th week, it's uh, again, a very unique week. How are you doing? Are you you staying sane? Um. You know, some days my Julie, you know, and and just like you, you love to work out also my um, my love and I guess need for working out has helped me keep my sanity because I'll be honest that there are days that I wake up and I have not slept well. I usually fall asleep on the couch and then make my way upstairs. And when I sleep on the couch, it's good sleep. When I get upstairs, I toss and turn a lot because I'm you would think, but I, I start thinking about, you know, all of the things that are worrying so many people. I mean, from, you know, the, the, you know, when do we get back to a degree of normalcy and in, in my world, when do you get back to, to baseball, you know, the economic impact, um, there, there's so many different things and, and you worry. And so uh, for me, the, the, ec- when I get up in the morning and, and work out, I always, I always feel better because it, it's, it's easy. And we've all read about it for people to get, you know, especially in these circumstances, mental health becomes a, you know, a real, it, it's an issue every day normally, but it becomes exacerbated by what we're all going through. Tell me the truth. Have you snapped at anybody yet? Because I have, unfortunately. And I realized, you know, okay, settle down. Um, And you know I do have snappage in me. A hundred percent. Right. But I'm trying to think. No. Good. I haven't. Um, You know, I I celebrated a birthday yesterday, as you know, Julie. And I I don't want to be that grumpy, you know, middle-aged guy. But I saw – here's something I don't get. What's up? I saw, and and anybody can do what they want, right? As long as you don't hurt anybody. And this person wasn't hurting anybody. He's walking in the supermarket. He's in his 20s. And his pants are, you know, the pants on the ground thing? And I hadn't seen a lot of it lately. His pants are halfway down his thing. And we're trying to stay safe. I'm wearing the, you know, 
a, a makeshift mask. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this dude's got his pants halfway down. Come on, man. Enough. Um, happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Now, am I getting, is I'm, am I becoming a grumpy middle-aged man? What, what's my deal? Becoming. Well, you know what I mean. No. So I, I didn't get, I, saw, I certainly didn't say anything, but. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, so I <laughs> was wondering, we were having this conversation. I had this lot of conversation of people in the sports world. I think we're all on board, even if you're very heavy into the sports world, like you are um, doing the play-by-play for the Rockies, that whenever these sports come back, the first thing we talk about is when everybody feels safe, when there's testing, when we're getting rid of the false positives, when people feel safe to be out with a number of people and feel like, and you know, when is there a vaccine? There's a lot of questions here. I haven't yet heard the crazy sports person say, just get out there. And I know it's going to happen, Drew. Don't you? Well, well, it's coming. I mean, Mike Gundy got reprimanded. He pretty much said that, right? I want my kids back on campus by May 1st. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that uh, I'm, I'm sure of are of that sentiment. And what's interesting, um, you know, we talked to David Dahl this week. He's going to be our, our interview that you'll hear in a little while. And one of the things David brought out, Julie, is that, you know, it's a safety thing, which every I think everybody who has a degree of sanity, you want to make sure that, that it's safe. Um, but, you know, David's like, you know, when he was in the minor leagues, he had that terrible collision and he had his spleen removed. So he is of higher risk in terms of, you know, a weakened immune system, even though he's this, you know, young, great athlete, world-class athlete in phenomenal shape. So there is real concern. You and I discussed it last week. I don't see us getting back until we can get to the point where if, you know, Julie Brownman of the Detroit Tigers test positive, because somebody, you know, people are going to test positive, right? right? Then it, it can't be, oh, my goodness, the Tigers are shut down, Major League Baseball shut down again. Right. It's no, Julie is going to, you know, get treated because, you know, they've made some medical breakthroughs, if you will, and she's going to be, you know, away from the team for 10 days or whatever the period of time is. Um, but it can't shut everything down. That That's number one. But I do think as these days go by, to your point, Julie, there are going to be people who are saying, just get out there. We got to get the economy going again, which we all you know understand. And we got to get back to you know sports being on television, et cetera, et cetera. I just feel like fans have been exceptionally well behaved in times where sometimes you scratch your head and you think, oh, my gosh, why would you say that? Or why would you think that? Uh, to your point, I'm just wondering when that happens, but I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen in this case, because we are all affected and we all have families and we all know people at risk and we all don't want to go through this again. See, I'm, I'm past right now. There'll be plenty of time to, you know, place, you know, blame if, if we were slow in terms of, you know, how we responded nationally and all of, all of those things that get written about every day. And I understand that, um, whether they're online uh, entities or print entities, they have to fill up space every day. Um, the electronic media has to produce stuff every day. All I care about right now, again, there'll be plenty of time to keep score and, and to figure out what went wrong and how we can uh, be better uh, in the future. All I care about now 
and I think I speak for a lot of people, is getting through this. And I look for each day, I want to hear something from from scientists or, or from the medical field saying, hey, you know, we're close. We, you know, we've made some advances here because, you know, the whole world, uh, you know, from a medical standpoint is focused on this right now. Right. And I feel like we are starting to hear a little bit of that news. So I'm I told you this before. I, I'm stealing this from Channel Nine. I was just watching the news. They have this great segment and they want people to uh, email in what will you never take for granted again? So I'd like to ask you from non-sports and sports, after this, what will you never take for granted again? I think it's a great question. It's a, it's a great question. And it's not, I don't want to give a flippant an answer to it. I think you know, number one, I, I never take family for granted. So I don't want to say, well, I won't take my family for granted. Um, I think time usage, Julie, because one of the things I don't know if I've said this to you on the podcast or just to some friends in conversing during the day, that when this thing ends and again, we get back to some degree of normalcy, I don't want to look back on that period of time and say, did I get anything accomplished? I still want to accomplish stuff. I mean, life goes by, life is precious. And so I don't want to take that for granted, you know, whether it's, can I say, all right, I read half a dozen books. Um, I, I, I learned to do something here and I, you know, made my house a better place, Wh whatever it is, yeah. I want to be able to look back and say, okay, I didn't just sit on my ass for, for two months or three months or whatever that period of time is. No, I agree with that. I feel the same way. I'm trying to get some projects, learn, learn some stuff. Um, I would say for me, one thing I wouldn't take for granted is just the freedom of interaction we have in our lives that I, I miss the interactions. You know, I just, I will never take that. I will never take that for granted again, the freedom to just go out and do what you want to do. And talk to you want to talk about, you know, I don't know about you, but it's, it's just such an odd world where you get on the elevator and people are backing up. You go running on a trail and, you know, somebody, you know, some, somebody's coming the other direction and they bow, you know, off into the, you know, right. <laughs> so they, so they don't come within 10 feet of you. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of odd. And, um, you know, even going to the market, the only place I go out other than, yeah, I go to our old house to work out where, there, where there's still a weight room. I go to, you know, we go to the grocery store, right? And so, you know, you're in King, King Supers or Safeway and, and you know, you, now I, I wear a mask, yeah, which is what you're supposed, you're supposed to do. And it's, you know, it's kind of an odd feeling still. So just a small plug in case somebody from Trader Joe's is listening. So I waited an hour the other day to get into Trader Joe's. Um, it was the day before Easter and they would be closed for Easter but I'm telling you, Drew, when you get in there, it's so lovely because they really, really, really limit it and nothing is out of stock and you feel like you're in this, this past world. Yeah. I don't know if there's a Trader Joe's. Okay, so what? Well, I love, I love listen, Trey, I love Trader Joe's and, um, you know, thank goodness for it. Listen, we, you know, we, we, we salute uh, all the time as we should, as well we should, all of our healthcare workers, everybody who's on the front line and are, are really putting their health at risk and taking care of people. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I also want to include in that, 
uh, the folks that you mentioned who are every day, you know, because they have to interact with a lot of people when they're in the grocery store. I mean, yeah. so, you know, that, that is the main essential. We have to go get food. Right. And so for those folks um, that are that are, you know, grinding it out and, and having to stay safe in that environment. Thank you to those folks as well. On the sports world, this is going to be near and dear to your heart. I'll never take opening day for granted again. I always love opening day. Yeah. Um, but that's just one simple thing that I just, I always cherish it, but man, I'm really going to cherish it. Can you imagine Julie, what the numbers will be? Because sports has always been part of our healing process when something traumatic has happened and it takes us immediately back to 2001 and, you know, being a native New Yorker, I don't, I think everybody was a New Yorker who was, you know, not only an American, but really, you know, from throughout civilized, you know, the, the civilized part of the world, if you will, were, you know, had, had great feeling and emotion toward what New Yorkers went through and our country went through, not just New Yorkers, right. um, you know, the Pentagon and, and, and that field in, in Pennsylvania. But, you know, when, when baseball returned and Mike Piazza hit that dramatic home run at, at uh, Shea Stadium mm. to beat the Braves, I mean, I've seen it repeated many times, even prior to the coronavirus, and you get literally chills up and down your body because it meant a lot. And in the grand scheme of it, does it mean anything? The two teams playing a baseball game after 9-11? No, but it was a huge part of the mending of our country. And baseball and other sports can be that once again. And I mean, just just think, Julie, if there was a game tonight, it doesn't even matter who was playing. I mean, but let's say the Rockies were playing the Dodgers. Mm. Can you imagine how many people would be tuned in to watch that? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Because all we're watching is stuff that's happened from years ago. Yeah. Yes. I'm an expert on all the f- old Super Bowls, by the way. Oh, okay, good. We'll have to do a podcast on that. Um, Anything, before we take a break, anything that you will never take a grant, granted for granted again from the sports world? Um, You know, you, you, I think you said it really well. You mentioned opening day. But when I have the I've always said this, I've never tried to take it for granted. And you've heard me say this before. I mean, I have I I love, love, love what I'm fortunate to do, what I'm privileged to do. And I I try to remind myself of that, you know, regularly when you're in the middle of the season, how much I enjoy, um, you know, being able, you know, to, to be a small part of bringing Rockies baseball into people's homes. And I think even more to your question, I can't wait to be in that booth again. And even if it's unfortunately without fans initially to be able to, you know, call David Dahl swinging the bat against Walker Bueller or Charlie Blackman, you know, coming up against Clayton Kershaw, man, oh man, I, you know, you just, I mean, I, I long for that. And I know as, as sports fans, we all long for that. Speaking of David Dahl, we're about to hear your interview that you just did with him. But before we do that, want to let everybody know, give them an update on Boyer's Coffee. As, as people know that they are a big sponsor of ours. And unfortunately, on March 31st, what happened to Boyer's Coffee is uh, the cafe and their warehouse and the roasters. Um it was a total loss with a huge fire that we haven't seen in a long time. So Boyer's Coffee, though, however, you still can find Boyer's and Walmart. You can find it at Sam's Club and King Supers and Safeway. They are going to rebuild. I can tell you that. 
Uh, I would expect it to be sooner rather than later. They are excited to get going again. They've got this tremendous spirit, Drew. Uh, but we also want to help them out during this time. Remember, they don't even have offices to go to in a very difficult time. They do have a GoFundMe page. So I just retweeted the information for the GoFundMe. It's for the employees. It's not for the business. It's for the 60 plus employees that don't do not have a job right now and maybe for the foreseeable future. And I know you just retweeted it from your Twitter account. Yeah. And, and you and I both have kept in contact with, with Caitlin who runs her marketing and she's become a good friend. And um, we, we were texting back and forth earlier and they, they are such a positive business anyhow, and they're remaining so, and they're going to get back on their feet and um, uh, we're we're going to be there to support them, and I know all of you will as well. Boyer's Coffee. So, um, you know, when, when you're making your way through the King Supers or Safeway or your favorite grocery store, make sure you pick up some more uh, Boyer's Coffee for the household. And, uh, you know, that takes us to our good friends also at Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's company. And um, listen, you know, one, it's a strange time because so many businesses are hurting, but it's also perhaps an opportunity to take advantage of really low interest rates. I mean, 30-year mortgages were down, you know, well below 3.5%. And uh, so it's a good time to refinance. Uh, maybe, you know, if you were in the market, you were in position to buy a new home, make sure you call our friends at Ideal Home Loans. They're doing uh, a terrific job right now. They always do a terrific job. They're locally owned and operated. They've been in business almost 20 years. 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. It's Ideal Home Loans. And again, rates are phenomenal right now. So, you know, let's let's find a way to save some more money because we all need to do that. Give them a call. 303-867-7000. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. And they bring us each week, our interview of the week. And this week, it is Rockies outfielder, David Dahl. David, the natural place to start, obviously, is um, the uh, in the MLB, the show, you had, a, uh, you had Trevor, you manipulated him into a walk-off home run the other night. Would that now uh, constitute your greatest athletic achievement thus far in your life? Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best of my life, but in the last like month or so, definitely. <laughs> what pitch did he hit? Uh, I think it was just a fastball, like right down the middle. Just a bad pitch. Yeah, I got you. So you having fun uh, involved in the show? Yeah, it's definitely fun. Uh, I'm not the best player in the world. I'm still working, learning, trying to be better. Uh, sometimes, you know, you hit the wrong button or something, and it can really, really mess you up. I got you. Who's uh, in the club in the Rockies clubhouse? Who is the best gamer? Oh, probably like John Gray. If I had to yeah. guess, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't really play too many video games. Like if I play it, MLB the Show, and it's usually like when I'm hurt, I play it because I have downtime. So I just play my season on that instead. But uh, you know, usually I'm not. I don't play too often. This is just my observation cruising through the clubhouse over the years. Jake McGee always has something going. I'm, am I right? Yeah, he's, he's. I think he games a lot. I think him and Shaw and maybe Gray might play the most, if I had to guess. I think Brendan Rodgers plays a good bet. Yeah. Does it get competitive? Obviously, it's con, you know it's a different deal. But does it get competitive when you're you know you were playing Juan Soto the other night? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've never played, like, where you stream and people can actually watch you. So that was a little 
little nerve-wracking. You know, I was nervous because I'm not very good, so I usually get a little more nervous. Um, uh, yeah, I was I was pretty nervous, but it was it was competitive. You know, you want to beat those guys, you want to win, you don't want to be a loser. So you're down you're down in Arizona. Most of your teammates seem to be. Am I correct me if I'm wrong? Most of your teammates have stayed down in in the valley. Is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, I think we have a decent amount of guys here. Some, I think three or four guys went to Denver and everyone else went to their home homes. But I think, you know, there's, there's quite a few guys here. Take us through your day. I mean, take us through a typical day. Yeah, I mean, you're finding ways, obviously, to, to lift, run, hit, throw, I assume. Yeah, so on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have a friend out here um, who his dad – Played the big league for a long time, and they have a, a home gym, so he I've become pretty close with him. And I worked out there last year and sit there. He's let me use his, his spot three days a week to go in and work out just on my own. After I'm done, I wipe down everything. Um, and then as far as hitting, I'm just kind of hitting whatever I can, whatever like a cage kind of is open for it to just be me and the guy that I hit with. So it's you know no one else is in there. So it's that's usually two, maybe three times a week. And then, uh, like, Tuesday, Thursday, I go to, like, a field, an empty field right by my house and do some, like, running and some, uh, like, cardio stuff to stay in shape. And, you know, I, I tread water in the pool, do all that kind of stuff. Do, do what I can and then throw whenever I can. Yeah. With the uncertainty, is it is it tough motivating yourself knowing that, you know, it's one thing when you're ratcheting up for spring training, you go, okay, you know, in 10 days, I'm going to be, you know, full go, that sort of thing. I mean, you're working out and you're trying to stay sharp, but nobody knows when exactly you're going to get the call saying, all right, we're going to, we're going to get rolling again, you know, next Tuesday or whatever it is. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I feel like for me, I, I like, I enjoy working out. So, you know, to go in and lift and stuff, you know, I don't really need to get as motivated. Um, I'd say I'm not really stressing out as far as like my swing and making sure like, Oh my God, I need my swing locked in right now. You know, that's why I'm, I'm trying to hit two to three times a week just to keep a couple, you know, keep some feel stuff. But you know, it, it, it is hard when you don't have a, a for sure start date or, you know, are we going to play this year or not? So it, it's tough, but just trying to do whatever I can to stay ready. And when we do get the call, if we get the call, you know, I won't have to, you know, say, oh, crap, I got to get back in shape or get my swing right. You know, it's it's pretty good where I'm at right now. You know, David, from a position player standpoint, honestly, how long – these circumstances are completely different. Uh, everybody's going to have to adjust, and we all we all understand that. Um, but realistically, what what would you need? Is it three weeks? Is it two weeks to, to be able to start to hit major league pitching for real? Yeah, uh, that's hard. It's hard. Um, I mean, I've, I've had, I'm kind of used to, you know, with my injury history, I've had to take a long layoff and then jump right back in, face the big league pitching pretty quickly. So, you know, I'm not as concerned about, you know, jumping right back into it because I've had some experience with it. Um, but I think maybe two weeks of some games, getting some ABs and should be starting to be competitive yeah are, are your teammates uh, i mean do you guys pick each other up a little bit i'm sure you you know either chat or, or text back and forth i mean do you find yourself you know trying to help each other out saying you know stay focused stay stay upbeat we're going to get through this that sort of thing 
Yeah, we, we check in with, uh, we got a group text for the team. We keep up with each other, see how everyone's doing, and then, you know, individually text guys, and, you know, like me and Nolan, we talk all the time, and he's, we send each other our swings, make sure it still looks good, you know, little things like that. Yeah. You know, one of the things, I, I've said this um, on the air about your swing, um, you have, you have, you know, like a buggy whip. You have really good hands. That's how, how I would describe it. Um, and even when, David, I, you know, I used to kid you when you first came up and, and you were trying to make, you know, keep weight on. I think, what did you weigh, like 160 pounds or something that, that first year toward the yeah, end? Yeah, I think I got down to like 175. Is that right? Okay. 170 maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, you've, you've always been able to generate great bat speed and, do you know where that comes from? Why why your hands are, are as special as they are? I don't know. Probably just, I mean, I, growing up with my dad, just doing a lot of drills, uh, a lot of hand drills, quickness drills, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure. It's just something I guess I've been also blessed with. Yeah. You mentioned the health thing, and I, and I know that that's been a, a, pardon the pun, a sore subject for you because you've had so many unfortunate type of type of injuries going back to the minor leagues, obviously. Um, do you feel like, shoot, finally I put this in the rearview mirror. I mean, you look, I, I saw you, you know, a little more than a month ago. You Physically, I mean, you look great. I, I suppose there's a disappointment in, in the start of this season being pushed back and we don't know when it'll start and all that sort of stuff. But do you feel from an injury standpoint, it's like, all right, I'm ready to get on a roll where I can be a 150-plus game guy every year? Yeah, I mean, I... I'd like to, you know, I think that I know, you know, these injuries that I've had are unfortunate and, you know, but they've happened. It's something I'm just kind of leaving in the past, not really thinking too much about, you know, all I'm really trying to do is prepare my body, make sure I'm doing everything the right way and, you know, you know, and just kind of hope, hope I stay healthy, you know, the, I can't, can't control some of the things that happen. So it's no point in really sitting here and, and dwelling on it or thinking about it. So if I can just, you know, figure out, get some good luck, really. That's all I need. I've never asked you this. Is there somebody that you have kind of, you know, modeled your yourself after or admired their game or feel like, hey, my game can be similar to their game, past or present? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think Charlie's a guy that I really watch and kind of see what he's been through in his career. He's had, he had injuries and whatnot. Um, and now he's, you know, 140, 150 plus game guy. Duke can hit, he can throw, he can run, he can play D. And, um, especially, you know, a couple, you know, when he was, he was swiping 40 bags not too long ago, a few years ago. So he's, I think he's an all around player that I can, I, I pick his brain. Uh, I really liked uh, Jacoby Ellsbury when he was in Boston. I thought he was a great player. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You you, yes. you, ma- you mentioned the bags, David, and I was talking, um, you know, earlier in the spring when, when you guys were, were still able to work out. I was talking to Trevor, and, you know, I know I, I think Trevor had 23 bags or something like that last year, and, you know, he, he really wants to increase that total. Um, did you have a number in mind in a full season of where, where you'd like to be? I mean, I think I should at least, I think I should be stealing 20 plus, um, for sure. You know, as far as how many, I don't know, but I think, you know, a guy, especially if I'm going to lead off, be at the top of the order, I have speed. I just, my biggest thing is just going. I just, you know, I just tend to kind of, I don't know, I don't like running into outs and making like those bad decisions, especially when I have 
Trevor, Nolan, Charlie coming up. So a lot of times I'm like, I know if you hit the gap where I can score kind of thing. But, you know, the coaches and stuff have really been talking to me, trying to push that. And really just the biggest thing for me is just going. You know, uh, a lot of times I just I just don't go. Yeah. Is it is it trusting what, you know, when, when Giddy comes over, Ron Gideon comes over and says, you know, he's won four to the plate, kind of trusting it? Or, or is yeah. it more than that? And it's also I think I need to do better, you know, you – seeing Story, seeing Charlie, those guys, like how much they study the pitchers, not just, you know, what they throw in counts and stuff, but as far as like their moves, you know, when guys are on first, so they're, they know what their pickoff is or what they look like before they even get the first. And I definitely need to do a better job at that as far as studying the pitchers for base running instead of like just for hitting. Hey, David, when you were growing up, I'm not talking about like eight or 10, I'm talking about, you know, once you'd reached high school and you, you, you know, quickly became a, you know, a prospect, obviously you were a major college prospect, but then, yeah, then certainly a, you know, a, a very high draftable kid. What was the first tool of yours that, that really shined brightest that got the attention of people? Uh, I think just my hitting, hitting tools, just, uh, being able to square up the ball and, uh, you know, the batting, the showcase batting crashes and then not, it's not just that, but also the game. I think I always performed pretty well. Um, another thing I was, I used to fly really fast, like six four type speed stuff. Hopefully, I need a, I was a lot lighter back then. <laughs> yeah. What, wait, by the way, what were you, what are you going to play at this year? Uh, I don't know. I'm probably right at like 200 right now. So probably around there. So I'll, I'll lose a few pounds in the season. Yeah. I'm trying to think back. There was somebody else that was similar to you that, that got, you know, you know, big and strong. But always had trouble, you know, maintaining. I think going way back, Clint Barmus was that way. You know, Barmy would lose like 10, 15 pounds during the season. Yeah. I, think, I think Tulo lost weight during the season. Yeah. I'm definitely I'm better now than I used to be. Um, like talking to Tyler, you know, our chef and yeah. it's just, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, having like protein shakes or smoothies or something has definitely helped before games and, and eating more after games. So yeah. I don't I don't lose near as much as I used to. A lot of people don't realize, even even big time fans of the game, what uh, a major league player's day often looks like. You know, if it's a seven o'clock start, um, you know, a lot of guys are there at one. I mean, I used to see Tom Murphy there. Sometimes I'd have to go do something early, David. I'd see him there at like eleven thirty in the morning, which is. Crazy, and, and some guys. I know Charlie. A lot of times prefers to lift after games. What's what's your routine uh, on a normal, you know, normal game? Uh, if we're playing at like seven, I probably wake up from anywhere from ten to eleven. Go get a Starbucks coffee, hang out with the wife and rookie a little bit, and then I don't like getting to the field super early and just sitting there because when I'm not at the field, I do a good job of not thinking about baseball. When I'm at the field, that's when I just start the anxiety levels just start kind of going up a little more and more. So if I get there too early, I'll just sit around all day and think about the game. So right. I try to get there maybe 7 o'clock game, probably about 1, anywhere from 1 to 2 kind of in that in that window. And then I get there, kind of eat lunch, uh, and then I go roll out, stretch and whatnot, go hit the cage, then go watch the pitcher, um, BP, eat, play, and then I, I do my lifting after the game. Yeah, I th- again, I, I think a lot of people don't realize 
that it could be 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and you guys are pushing weights around in a weight room after you've been on your feet for, for hours. Yeah, especially in Denver. It's, it's hard. Working out is really tough in Denver, especially because we tend to play really long games. Yeah. Do you think do you think guys in the game understand the challenge that you all have um, playing in Denver? Because people naturally and I, I fight this all the time as a broadcaster that that people don't give you guys their due because they always talk yeah. about the position players. Well, great course field, great, you know, altitude, great place to swing the bat. Nobody's denying that. But what you guys have to deal with going from sea level to altitude and back and yeah. forth and ball movement and what it does to the body. I think they have a general idea kind of like if they come into Denver and they're like, hey, you have to play here. But I don't think they understand a full scale's worth of how hard it is as far as Actually, I was on a podcast with Ross Stripling, and he was asking me about Denver and stuff, and I started explaining to him how our bodies feel, how it's tough, it's pretty tough to sleep there, and then the ball, how much it moves. Once you get used to playing a week at home, the ball moves a certain way or doesn't move a certain way, and then you go on the road, and the ball's breaking way more than you ever could imagine. We're swinging at stuff in the dirt, and he was like, oh, wow, I never really thought about that. Um, so I think... I'm not sure if everyone quite fully understands, you know, what we have to go through. Yeah, was it was it cool for you, even though you didn't play with him? And I don't I don't know if you've met him, but uh, you, you'd like him a lot if you haven't. But was it cool for you to see Larry Walker get in? Uh, you know, he will be inducted, but get uh, you know the the greatest honor you can as a player. Yeah, for sure. That was that was awesome to see. Uh, he was a great player. All five souls just made it look easy out there and. You know, very happy, excited for him and for the Rockies uh, fan base and, you know, for the Rockies organization. It's good that we got a guy that is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, when So you're at the Super Bowl, and for those that don't know, um, your wife Jacqueline has her own marketing agency. She's done phenomenally well and, I guess, headlined naturally by, you know, one of the great athletes uh, – of the of our generation now in, in Patrick Mahomes. Um, so when you're with her at the Super Bowl, are you all of a sudden that's Jacqueline's husband as opposed to, you know, if you're in baseball circles, hey, let me introduce you to my wife? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, usually, you know, I go to those events more just by supporting her like she does with me. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely cool to go watch her work and, you know, watch how hard she works and how much respect she has from her clients, and her peers, and everyone in the industry is very impressive. Um, and then, you know, yeah, she has passion at home, so that that makes it it's awesome. You know, proud of her, and you know, the Super Bowl is definitely a blast. Yeah, what, what kind of relationship do you have with Mahomes? Um, I mean, I I've spent some time with him. I know him. Uh, he's he's a nice guy. He's great, great dude. Uh, really, he just wants to talk sports all the time and just actually just won the Super Bowl on like kind of a little bus going out and stuff so he sat next to me and all he wanted to talk about after winning the Super Bowl was baseball. He asked me like how are these things I throw? I want to come out to spring training and take BP and like you know he's just he's just that kind of a guy. He's a really 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 great guy. Yeah. Have you ever run any routes for him messing around? No I've never been in that setting. <laughs> I got you. I would, you know, he obviously, is, as people know, his dad, you know, pitched in the big leagues for for a good uh, amount of time. And um, he was, I correct me if I'm wrong, he was drafted out of high school, wasn't he? 
Mahomes, I think so. So I'm sure I'm sure he's got some game. He looks like he looks like he's uh, athletic enough that he can do some damage still on on a baseball diamond, right? Yeah, sure. He's a he's a really good athlete. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. What what, did, what was the biggest takeaway to being at the Super Bowl? Seeing what it's like to win, <laughs> like winning the Super Bowl, and seeing how happy all those everyone was, the party after, like just how just how excited they were, and uh, how happy, like how excited, and all the fans and stuff were. Like it was, it was an unbelievable experience to be there and just get to witness that, and that's like. It hits you when they win. You're like, damn, I want to win a World Series because that's that's the feeling I want. <laughs> yeah, you you know what? I, I've always said this um, about the game of baseball. At whatever level you played, it is such a difficult game on you mentally. And I I'm gonna you know kind of juxtapose it against what we were talking about with with football. If let's say Mahomes. Uh, you know, made a bad pass through a pick. I mean, a few minutes later, they're going to have the football again, and he's going to have an opportunity, you know, to to wipe that memory um, away. As opposed to in, in your game, David, if you have a bad at bat or even a bad night, you know, over four, a couple punch outs, whatever, you rolled over twice, it, it lingers. Even between at bats, it may be 30, 40 minutes till you get up again. Um, is that the hardest part of the game of baseball almost? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. you got to know how to just kind of flush it, move on, you know, learn from it, think about what you did, and then just move on and flush it. But it's a lot easier said than done. It's what, it's what makes the game hard. But uh, if I have a bad game, I just try to remember how many more bats there's left I have left in the season or, you know, that I'm going to be playing the next day kind of thing. So not not trying to dwell on it. Yeah. Do, were you, I, I look at you as, as pretty quiet and, and, and low key. Has that always kind of been your personality when you were, you know, younger? Yeah, I think, uh, just feel pretty calm. I'm, I'm quiet, but I think around my, my buddies and stuff, I say some, I'm pretty obnoxious and loud and we'll say some dumb things. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we all need that. Spe- speaking of which, because this coronavirus has thrown, you know, the whole world, uh, for a loop. You have not been married all that long. Um, you're used to traveling quite a bit. And I know Jacqueline, when she can, accompanies you and that sort of thing. But all of a sudden, you're in the same space day after day. As she said, hey, why don't you go take a drive right now? Is it, have you gotten to that point? Uh, honestly, this is so this is like the most amount of time we spent together at like the same place because, you know, either I'm traveling or she's traveling. So yeah, it's definitely... I love it. It's it's great having her here, but as far as like, you know, her workspace right now is right by the living room. So she's on phone calls for like six hours a day and I'm having to sit there and turn the T V down and, and stuff. So we've we've gotten in a couple uh couple arguments about that as far as like, okay, we gotta move uh we gotta move your office to this other room now. This is too close to the living room. But yeah. yeah, it's it's been it's it's good. I mean we we have each other here, so you know, seeing her every day makes it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's an adjustment for everybody. Um, I, I had an old partner of mine in, in college football. I'll tell you the story real quickly. Keith Jackson, not the broadcaster, the former NFL tight end. After he'd retired, we did some games together, and we were getting to know each other. And back then, David, I was doing the. Um, I think I was doing the Nuggets, and obviously doing college football, and and he said, um, you know, he's asked me about being married and that sort of thing. 
And he goes, wait a second. He goes, you're gone doing the NBA and college football. He goes, you ain't married. He goes, I thought I was married. He goes, then I retired when I was home every day. That's when I realized I was married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, real quick on the, um, you know, th- there's all kinds of proposals being thrown about. I mean, Major League Baseball is like the other leagues trying to be um, creative and in, in getting you guys back out there. If, if it were a situation where everybody was playing, you know, in Arizona, condensed schedule, double headers, maybe on Saturday and obviously dealing with the heat. You know, what's your take and what's what's the take of, of your teammates that you've visited with about that potential scenario? Um, I think it's I think first and foremost, it's got to be you know 100 percent safe. Like, I think uh, we got to make sure that we are also not putting ourselves at more of a risk, especially someone like me. I actually don't. I don't have a spleen, so my immune system's pretty shot. So I have to be really careful with, you know, what I'm doing right now. And and so that's the biggest thing is making sure we're all safe if we're if we're playing. Um, I like the idea of play. You know, I want to play. I think everyone wants to. Um, if everyone needs to come out here and play, then I, I'm down for it. Uh, the one thing I wasn't a fan of was it said something about being quarantined away from or isolated away from your family or whatnot for four and a half months. And I, that's one thing I don't know if I would want to do. I mean, if, if it was a couple of weeks, could definitely do it, but four and a half months without seeing, you know, your wife or something or your wife, kids or anything like that. That's, I don't think that would be good. Yeah. I, I think there's no question there are hurdles that have to be um, cleared. Uh, number one is, is the medical hurdle or the health hurdle in that, uh, as you suggest, it, it has to be safe for for uh, everyone involved. Um, but clearly, you know, this this year is going to be different. Um, uh, and ho- hopefully there is this year. Are you, do you remain optimistic, by the way? I mean, you know, each day that, that goes by, you say, hey, at some point we're going to be out there. I, I like to think that I try to stay positive and not dwell on the negative, you know, my first thought is just with everyone, making sure they're safe and healthy. And then, you know, I, I obviously want to play. I think everyone wants to. We love the game. We want to entertain. We want to. We want to go out and win. But we work. But we work for. So, try to try to be optimistic. Um, but not much we can do besides just stay ready whenever they call. Couple quick ones to let you fly, Dave. It's great. It's great talking to you, and I appreciate it. When you guys were. Uh you know, playing games, I know it probably seems like forever ago, but it was a little more than a month ago. You know, give me a couple of guys, younger guys or whatever, that, that really impressed you that you felt, um, you know, were ready to take a significant stride forward in, in 2020. I really, I think Hilliard is going to be really good. I think he's going to be a great player. Um, he, has, he has all the tools in the world. So the biggest thing is for him to just be getting more consistent ABs playing. Um, um, I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, I think Hampson Hampson's going to be really good. I feel like you know just his speed alone that plays anywhere. Um, as far as young guys, I like the late. I thought I think he's going to be good. Um, Brendan's going to be a good player. So I, I mean, we got some really good young talent coming up. It's just a matter of um, everyone staying healthy, getting them abs, making sure you know they're put in the right situations to succeed. Was there almost a little collective chip on on the shoulder because, you know, the previous two years, 
you know, you guys had been to the postseason last year, obviously was a disappointing year. And then, you know, so many of the quote unquote prognosticators counting you out even before the season began. Was was that a, you know, almost, as I said, put a collective chip on, on everybody's shoulder in your clubhouse? I think just last year alone, definitely. I don't think we really look at what everyone's saying because at the end of the day, they're not out there playing and it sure. doesn't matter. But I think if you just, just looking back how we played last year, it was just, it wasn't good. So I think we're all out there ready to prove everyone wrong that we are a good team and we have talent and we can, we can win. So, um, yeah, I'd say that's the thought around the whole clubhouse. Good deal. Hey, David, I really appreciate the time. Uh, stay well. Most importantly, stay safe. And uh, best to your family. And uh, I hope to be seeing you real soon. All right. Thank you. You too, Drew. Uh, be good, bud. That interview, of course, brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. And David and Jacqueline are living the life that a lot of people are living out there. It's like they're finding out what it's like to be retired because they're together all the time. And even more so, as David mentioned, she's running a very successful marketing business from their living room, right? So usually that's where you watch TV. Um, I've heard many, many, many people that have now rethinking retirement. Well, I don't, you know, they just got married, as you know, Julie, not that long ago, and they're in their 20s. So I don't think they're contemplating retirement, but it's, it's also fascinating because, and I, I told this story, you know, to David and so regurgitating it that, you know, Keith Jackson, the former NFL tight end, we were doing some game college games together. And and he said, no, you're not married to your home all the time. And and he didn't realize that. But, you know, in the sports world and she's in the sports world, she's gone a lot. and He's gone playing ball. And now all of a sudden they've been together every day um, more than they ever have in the, in, in the past. And I think there's so many couples out there that are going through that. And it's like, hey, turn down the TV. I'm trying to conduct some business here, right? Yeah, there's probably a little edginess going on. But I just, I thought that was kind of fun. But you're right. I mean, if you're, especially in baseball, you're gone for so long that you, you know, and also spring training, that's, that's a bit. So to have two people in the same space, that's a totally different world. I also thought it was interesting what he said about that other baseball players don't have any idea what it's really like to play at altitude. I thought that was pretty in- insightful. Yeah, I, I mean, we, I always get after members of the national media for not truly doing enough homework on how difficult it is to be a baseball player at altitude. They just talk about the benefit of hitting at Coors Field, as we know. And, you know, David basically was saying that there's a ton of players who don't play in Denver, who don't realize what they all have to deal with from what it does to the body, to ball movement when they, you know, leave Colorado. So I thought, you know, I did think that was really uh, an interesting piece. What about at the end? It just seems like spring training was a billion years ago, but then you were there as well a number of times. Just talking about the guys that he thought that looked good. Sam Hilliard and Eric Hampson. Did you see that as well? Well, you you know, Julie, because we, we've talked about this. I'm a huge Garrett Hampson fan. Garrett was on our show um, a few weeks back. You know, he's uh, actually – Hampy did the show when from spring training, they were still, they were still playing. And you're right. It does seem like a billion years ago. I'm a huge fan of his. He has a really unique tool set. Number one, he can really run. I think he can hit. 
Um, I think he's become a really good outfielder very quickly. And, you know, his, he grew up as a middle infielder. Um, you, you heard David talking highly about him. And the other guy that he mentioned, and he mentioned first, is Sam Hilliard, who's a big, strong guy. We saw him hit seven home runs last September, left on left against Josh Hader to tie up a ball game. He had some really impressive moments. But this guy's close to 240 pounds, six foot five, and he runs like the wind. And he he has a phenomenal, like like Hampson, a phenomenal work ethic. Um, so I, I'm excited uh, about his future. I got this. I I did a little Twitter thing, Julie, the other day, where you know spent about 30, 40 minutes taking questions from from the Twitter universe. And somebody asked me of you know of all the young guys, who do I think has the chance to be like the biggest star? And I, there's a lot of young position players in the Rockies organization to like, so it's not slighting anybody. But the first guy I picked was Sam Hilliard. And it's a combination of the power, um, the speed that can impact on, on both offense and defense. And not that other guys don't have great work ethics, but there's something about this kid that I really think he's going to be a star. Wow. Wow. So – I, cause I cannot remember. Is there anybody that was, was banged up that this will benefit them? Uh, great. Julie, that's a great uh, point. Uh, the, the guy that you keep your fingers crossed about, and I don't think he was going to start in the big leagues, but Peter Lambert, who pitched quite a bit in the big leagues last year, young right-hander. Remember he had a strain in his forearm, which always sends off alarm bells. Mm-hmm. Because you think, uh oh, that means it's ulnar collateral lig- ligament, and he's going to have to have Tommy John. What they discovered is that his UCL is, is okay. He just needed significant time down to heal, and so obviously he's getting that. As I said, I don't. When he does return, I think he's going to return at the AAA level initially. But I, I think he has a bright future, and you know he's a tremendous makeup guy, and so maybe this time off you know, will help him get back in the fold because we all know you're going to, you're going to have to have pitching depth, especially if you're playing Julie double headers, right. you know, once a week, you're you're going to have to have as much, you know, pitching as, as possible. So one last question before we say adios to episode number 40, we have not talked since, oh gosh, I can't remember the reporter's name. It was USA Today. It was last Friday. The story broke that one of the things that Major League Baseball was talking about was realignment. Oh, Bob Nightingale. Bob Nightingale, right. Um, It would be the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League. And the realignment would put the Rockies out of the Dodgers division, which is what I love. Interestingly, because they did it, you know, the, the Rockies would fall into, I think they said the, you know, the Northwest part of, uh, you know, division, which would include Arizona and San Francisco, who they're normally in a division with. Uh, anyhow, I think Oakland was in there. I, listen, this is a year. This One thing that does tick me off, Julie, is when people go, oh, I don't want to see that, or, or they poo-poo this, or, or no, that's not going to work, or there's no fans. It's Listen, the whole world has changed, and we have to adapt this year. And I think any sort of creative solution, I'm in. There are no bad ideas. So if it does ultimately come down to a 
a, a World Series, if you will, in 2020 between the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League, guess what? Sign me up because that means there was baseball and there was a considerable number of games that provided entertainment with the best players in the world. And you can put an asterisk next to it when they look back 50 years from now, just like their asterisks against some, uh, you know, with other seasons where there was work stoppages um, for other reasons. This year is different. We understand it. We have to embrace it. And we have to applaud any idea and, and look at any idea as as potentially realistic. So I'm with you. I whatever we need, whatever baseball needs to do, it would be interesting, it'd be intriguing, it would be different, it would be playing baseball again. So hopefully that, you know, as as we do this podcast, we get closer and closer to a solution uh, as things change every single day. But uh, there you go, Drew. Yeah. And I I can't wait to be able to, I know you feel the same way, as you said, to to talk about, you know, a medical breakthrough here and and we can put on and be pseudo doctors for for a show as opposed to pseudo sports announcers, right? Exactly. So I'm going to ask you this again. What are you doing tomorrow? Tomorrow. Really busy day as I think about it. I'm, I'm actually going to be on Zoom with my buddy Hank Siegel, who was a former uh, you know, executive sports producer at Channel 7 years ago and then at Fox Sports. You know Hank, right? And Altitude. Oh, there you go, for, for a number of years. And, and he teaches in, uh, up at CU, Boulder, and I'm going to be on Zoom. Um, I've been in one of his classes in the past, and uh, we're going to do that again tomorrow. So uh, I'm going to leave you with this note. Zoom now has something where you have to wear pants at a Zoom meeting. They have something where you cannot do a Zoom meeting anymore if you're not wearing pants. Did you know that? Speaking of wearing pants, Julie, I want to share with you. I'm wearing pants. Well, I'm not wearing pants. I'm wearing sweats. Uh-huh. This is my point. I cannot recall. Remember I said to you last week, I don't remember the last time I set an alarm. It's the longest stretch of my adult life. I didn't set an alarm to get up, right? This is the longest stretch I can recall. I don't remember the last time I even put on jeans. I just put sweats on every day. Yeah, it's it's something. No, it's something. But I did want to let you know that I... Even during the Zoom meetings, um, <laughs> I am wearing I am wearing sweatpants. That's a great time to end this podcast. Drew. I'll see you. I, I would think so. Julie, stay well. Everybody out there, stay well, stay healthy. Um, we're going to get through this. 